Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel, I'd ask how's it going, except that uh, you've been very patiently <laughs> uh, standing by as we manage some tech support issues here at uh, the Televerse Chicago branch. So thank you for your patience. <laughs> Listeners, it's going to be an interesting week this week. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be so fun. And then, ah, that was my Amber Alert sound. <laughs> The, the podcast okay. has now been interrupted by an Amber Alert. And you're not, you're going to cut that okay. out. You're going to cut that noise out because it's bad podcasting audio etiquette to do that kind of a, <laughs> that kind of a sound in someone's ears directly. It's not a good idea. So I apologize, listeners, for that weird gap that Kate just introduced into the into the audio. Oh, you know I'm not taking any risks with like fancy things this week, like listeners. I I have the joy of of technical difficulties, so like. I've tried several different fixes and just, and realized that either the issue is my battery and I don't think it's my battery or it's my motherboard. So I will be replacing my motherboard this week uh, and hoping I don't break my laptop. Uh, so what that means for you is short podcast this week on the scale of things. I was about to say, um, have you looked at the rundown? Because this is not a short podcast this but week. But there's so much TV. <laughs> I know, right? Like... There, it's been lighter the last couple of weeks, and this week, no, there's just a lot of shows. And of course, next week we're heading into our best of the the year kind of kind of end of end of year podcasts, and um, there's still a few episodes. So I don't know what we're gonna do. Like, I guess are we gonna like record mini segments on the Watchmen finale and Steven Universe future, or are we holding those for 2020? Well, like, what what are we gonna do? Yeah, I don't know. And all I really want to do is discuss the fact that I've been binging a lot of guys' grocery games on v- Food Network On Demand. So I just kind of want to talk about nice. that for like an hour. I think you've told me about this guys' grocery thing, right? Guys' grocery games? It's been on. They've done like 20 seasons of it. So it's been on for a while. Do you not know what guys' groceries games is? That does that does not mean anything to me. I, I, I believe you've told me about it previously. Is, it, is this kind of like a supermarket sweep situation? Right. So it's supermarket sweep, um, sort of, but then they all cook as well. Um, and it's they've done like 21 seasons at this point of various like links. Um, and yeah, I've just been watching a lot of it. And I just keep watching the episodes where he makes like Food, Net- Food Network people cook um, and <laughs> just does really cruel things to them. Like, all right. You can only use frozen food to make the, all of to make all your meals today, and have fun with that, guys. And it's like, oh, I don't know how to. I don't. <laughs> we don't do this. So he just delights in tormenting pe- really well paid celebrity chefs for an hour, and it's just infectious. And I've really enjoyed watching them just squirm under. Guy Fieri's diabolicalness, which is something I never thought I would say. Well, and also just like, welcome to how the rest of us work. Yeah, basically. (laughs) You're exhausted. You've been on your feet all day. Now go make something edible out of these frozen foods that happen to be in your fridge because the store is closed. And also, here's just a random, here's a random box of ice cream sandwiches that you have to incorporate into your dish. Have fun. Have fun. (laughs) He thinks bye. Yeah. 
yeah. The other thread of the week has been the the Kulzik Bakeathon, and I actually contributed two cookies this, which was good because I was sick and then trying to fight with my computer so it looked like I wasn't going to be able to contribute anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that will be winging its way towards you next week, um, which is very exciting. Uh, but the thing I'm most excited about is that I have found uh, compostable baggies. Ooh, that is cool. Isn't that cool? So that when I send out these boxes of like obscene amounts of cookies, each in their own baggie, I feel less guilty. Yeah. Which clearly is what matters. Not the ec- ecological part of it. Psh, that's ridiculous. It's my white liberal guilt that needs to be assuaged. So that's that's what I'm going to spend the rest of today doing when I'm not laptopping. If it makes you feel better, I always tended to wash and then just reuse those baggies for a little while. So that, that does make me feel better. Thank you. Yeah, no. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I tried to do my best. <laughs> um, well, TV wise... Besides, obviously, Guy's Grocery Game, which I now will be checking out. That sounds like perfect baggying viewing. Yes, it is. So it is. that's, that's going to be perfect for later today. Uh, lots of TV this week. We are going to be spotlighting season two of Making It, uh, which I was hoping would make a bigger splash. I've seen like three people talking about it. Um, do you know anybody else watching? No, but I also have done not done my part by tweeting about it either. Um, though I did really enjoy this season. Spoiler alerts, everyone. Yeah, we were gonna have we're gonna have fun with that segment. Um, but we have uh obviously crisis. We talked about that a bunch last week. We're gonna talk about that this week. We've got the penultimate Watchmen. We've got Steven Universe Future dropping its first four episodes. Um, so yeah, just a few things mm-hmm. coming this week in TV. Um, we should get into it though because. I don't know how long my laptop's going to work. So let's do that. <laughs> Listeners, we're going to take a break, listen to some music, and come back with a very full week in TV right after this. Tunnel of Love, of course, featured in this week's episode of Watchmen. So first up, we're going to have Steven Universe Future, uh, Little Homeschool, Guidance, Rosebuds, and Volleyball. Then Noel's going to talk about the uh, Full Frontal with Samantha B episode from this week, and I'll do a brief catch-up on his dark materials. This week's episode is The Demon Cages. Then we'll both have uh, like some thoughts on Emergence and Stumptown, like where we're at at the mid-season. So Emergence is where you belong, and Stumptown is Dex Education. Next up will be Watchmen, A God Walks Into A Bar. Um, so many thoughts on that. Um, and then we'll go to Black Lightning, The Book of Resistance, Chapter 4, Earth Crisis. And, of course, we'll round things out with a Crisis on Infinite Earths, the Supergirl, Batwoman, and Flash episodes of so Part 1, 2, and 3. Uh, 
So first up is Steven Universe Future, which I totally forgot was coming back or was launching this week. Uh, was uh, thankfully not spoiled on. So go team for not ruining that experience for me on uh, on Twitter. I really appreciated the the uh, respect around that. Uh, what did you think of these first four episodes? I generally really liked them. Yeah, I forgot that this was happening too. So when I saw it in the our document, I went, wait. Did we know it was dropping this month? I feel like I got no promotion about that. I really liked all of these episodes. Um, and I no surprises that I really, really enjoyed volleyball. Um, I don't think that should surprise anyone that's listening to this and that I really enjoyed volleyball. But I do think that generally the continuing an exploration of sort of like Steven Stuhl trying to figure out how to fully integrate pink in a lot of ways um as a driving force as he sort of attempts to mature and tries to grow i think is a good through line for them to explore and kate um i really want to know if you're excited that we're finally going to get the jasper redemption arc that they've been threatening for like three years now (laughs) yeah finally right at long last we're gonna get some quality jasper time it appears well but we're already like halfway through the season because there's only like 10 episodes yeah so while i've enjoyed these episodes i also am a bit like okay but we're halfway done um but i feel like we need more time (laughs) on some of these no we definitely do yeah uh, volleyball was the clear standout for me as well um but but each of these episodes i enjoyed them uh, they do feel somewhat inessential, and um, be- but I think what makes them feel that way is my knowledge that there's only six more. Yeah, like ever. The, the you know it's a very Steven Universe thing. These like small moments of realization and connection, and you know, and and lessons learned, and and all of these different things. But if there's only this many episodes left, can, like, can we have? a little bit more through line is, is sort of what I would like. So we'll see what's, what's coming. It does feel like they're setting things up with, I mean, I didn't expect them to go to pink Steven so quickly right? in the, that first episode. And so they're clearly setting some things up for later in, in the season. And I actually kind of appreciate some of the, how low stakes some of it is the, like, I will always have time for, these are not the screams that I desire. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just amazing. Their um, laughter. It's so close to the screams. <laughs> close to the screams. And, like, that vocal performance, whatever, like, that that actor is doing, like, the, the choices they're making yeah. with that is just delightful. Really, really fun. Um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, also, can we get some props for Steven just showing up and, and, and mansplain, mansplaining guidance, you know? Like, like, I don't know why. I just thought I could do it better than you did. It's like, hmm socialization <laughs> um so i was i was appreciating some of the, the the subtextual threads and all of that but yeah uh the the willingness to just sit in some of the awkwardness especially like in an episode like rosebuds yeah uh that's that's the kind of thing that i you know that's appropriate and i appreciate it but when there's so few episodes left i kind of want more so we'll see what the rest of the season has to bring. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed Rosebuds mainly because I was just cringing through the whole episode of, oh, Greg's Greg's going to lose it. Greg's going to lose it. Mm-hmm. I feel the rest of my hair falling out already. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was just like, oh, Greg's, Greg's not in good shape with this. And then Pearl's very much not in good shape. But yeah, it was just, it was really delightful. Um, that, But also yeah. Pearl's response to volleyball was also really good mm-hmm. of, 
oh, yeah, I can't believe I was ever that young. I'm technically older than you. It's just like, oh, <sighs> oh, oof. <laughs> just yeah, that's great. Just right, right in the right in right in the gem, right in the gem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually, I, I, I hopefully she will get a different name. Yeah, uh, they really bothered me that they just called her volleyball. Yes, it's like b- bothered me too. I yeah okay. I'm glad it's not just me. Um, yeah, and, and it just felt like I kept waiting for them to resolve that, and then they didn't, and so now I'm not certain that they will. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you know, we'll see. Hopefully. But yeah, no. The rest of the episode with the the reef and everything was great, and like what do you, watching them deal with you. And what did you think of this decision to incorporate? Like serious abuse and physical, as well as emotional abuse, to 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 Pink and like her like journey, I guess, or her like her backstory. Um, I generally appreciate it because I think that it had mostly been sort of subtextual. Like, I never did not think that Rose wasn't in some ways like violent. So this this idea that she, oh she was a healer, she didn't do anything like that. It's just like. Ah, uh, I don't feel like that's true. I just, I don't. I don't think that's true. Um, so it just never, it didn't, it felt like a weird little bit of retconning from them to like set that up. Or it was just my brain going, yeah, no, I didn't think that. Did anyone else think that? Yeah. Well, especially based on the other diamonds, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I appreciated that. And I, the way that they handled it, I thought was, was well done. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the rest of the season. And after seeing these four, I'm, I think adjusting what I'm expecting from it. Like yes. I, I was particularly struck by the fact that we have not seen, I don't think any of like those gems that pop up in like the, the, the monsters or villain kind of card in the opening sequence. And I would have expected at least one of them by four episodes in. So, so, you know, maybe that's going to present itself in a, way other than we expect which you know does make sense receiving universe but it does yeah yeah um let's move on to the next episode and that's full frontal with samantha b um what did you think of this episode should i catch up with it yeah i would um the main reason i wanted to highlight it was they did their um for their um whatchamacallit their um correspondence segment they went to the samuel j hyman service to america medals awards which is also known as the sammies um, which basically is an award ceremonies that honors members of the federal government who do certain, make certain contributions to both the governance of the United States, but the overall like health of the U S and it's sort of like the Oscars of the government services. Um, so it's basically just a bunch of, you know, policy wonk and bureaucrat nerds, uh, dressing up to give each other medals and stuff. And it's just like, this is so deeply charming and lovely. And one of the big things that they, um, that the show highlights is the fact that this is the quote unquote deep state that you're all railing against. Like the people who make sure food is inspected make sure that the air is clean, make sure that scientists are able to study, um, uh, storm surge waters that actually kill more people in hurricanes than anything else. That kind of a thing. So it was just a really cool little highlight segment that I wanted to make sure that we mentioned because I had never heard of this um, before. I just went, 
This is so cute, and I really appreciate like them playing up the vapidity, vapidity, um, vapidness of award show, um, whatchamacallit, like red carpet type stuff by setting up their own purple board with the Sammy's square because it was Sam B's coverage of the Sammy's, etc. Um, that was just also very, very funny. So like one of the correspondents going, oh, my life just doesn't have any meaning. I just, oh, <laughs> oh no. Um, so it was just, it was really, really good. And I, it, if only to watch that segment, I think is really good. But they also talk about the impeachment stuff. And um, that segment was also quite solid, I thought. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to catching up with that. That's really interesting. Yeah, the the impeachment hearings um, in judiciary, um, right? No, intelligence. The one that happened first with Schiff um, was just such a great, like, watching these ambassadors and civil servants be like, when you talk about the deep state, this is who you're talking about. These people are brilliant and dedicated and, like, not making crap tons of money when they clearly could be do- doing that in other fields because they are serving our country. This is who you're saying is, like, trying to manipulate things behind the scenes and take away your choice in the, you know, who runs the government and shame on you, basically. So any segment that's going to celebrate those people, I think, is wonderful. So I will definitely very enthusiastically check that out yeah no and and combining that with red carpet ridiculousness is of course a delightful uh spin as well so looking forward to that um over at his dark materials we had the demon cages i think there's seven maybe eight episodes so there's just only one or two left uh for the first season of his dark materials the they've done a pretty good job i think so far and it's just, i think it's really interesting that this show has not sparked discourse in the way that I certainly I was anticipating. But when I watch it, I can see exactly why. And it's because it's dark, moody, upsetting material. And there's nothing controversial or surprising about it because it's just an adaptation of the book. And it's not like it's everybody who's watching, a lot of people who are watching know what to expect or have some sense of it. And if they don't, it's not the rollicking event. Like that's kind of the whole point. It's not a rollicking adventure. Yes. There are freaking polar bears and they are doing a great job with all that. Um, but it's fundamentally a story about at this point about trying to save children who are being kidnapped and mutilated. Um, and so, so like it shouldn't be cheery and fun and like the buzzed about show, if you do it right. And I think that they are, have done a good job. The performances are good. So the writing is pretty good. Um, but yeah, like thinking back on it, it's like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, and they are, the show is appropriately stepping back from like, like cool action shots because that's not really appropriate for the material and, and all that. So like, while there are these like, intense moments and things that happen that are certainly worth discussing and and interesting um as a whole it's not it's not like watchmen (laughs) you know there's not like this larger thematic discourse because the show is very actively trying to avoid a larger discussion about what sort of a you know institution that is theological in it at least its discourse but horrific in its execution at times could possibly relate to the show they don't want you to think about that so instead they're like we'll just tell the story and this is the story and it's interesting and dark and not necessarily the thing you want to 
you know, tweet about while it's happening in the same way that Watchmen is. So right, you want you you, you want to tweet about Succession. Yeah, you want to tweet about Succession and awkward rapping. You don't want to tweet about, oh, it was horrible looking at the long-standing years worth of abuse that this character is dealing with. You know, <laughs> that's not so fun. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so more on fun discourse things when we get to the other episodes. Um, but yeah, and it's just, it's a good adaptation is where I'm at with, with his dark materials at, on episode six. And I don't have more to say beyond that. Um, and I don't know if that's a failure of the show or if it's just the reality of the material. So I will be seeking out other write-ups and takes and opinions on that because I'm, I'm really curious what other, other people have to say um, about about this one. Are you planning to watch this one? Are you, like, saving it for later? or Waiting for later. Um, I read all three of the books um, in, like, the second half of college and really enjoyed them. But because uh, I enjoy anything that is essentially about killing God, because um, I watch a lot of anime and that was a, what a lot of anime was about in the 90s was killing God. Um, but um, yeah, I just when the initial reviews came out for this, it was just like, this was a really good adaptation. We don't know why this exists, though. And I just went. Oh, I don't like hearing that about an adaptation of something. Like, if you're just going to do a straight adaptation, I'll just read the book. Like, where's where's the zhuzh, basically? What, what Where's the rationale for this beyond making money? Um, so, yeah, it's just, I, I really like the cast, but I just didn't feel motivated to watch it. Oh, making much more distinct choices is emergence where you belong. And uh, so uh, there are other robot people. Yeah. And uh, either as either they are older or just they uh, look older. Yeah. You know, we have no idea how that works. So that was quite the reveal. What did you think of, you know, do you feel do you feel like this was always in the plan for our journalist friend or they're like, we got to do something to make him interesting? You know, I kind of like I kind of have to feel like it was always in the plan because it sort of helps explain why he feels like he's from a different show in a way of this is a guy who's pretending to be an investigative journalist who clearly has some degree has pretended to have or has had some success as a journalist but this idea that he's putting on this concept of what a journalist is supposed to be I think just kind of helps make sense of the fact that uh, Owen Yeoman's performance always felt like it was from a different show, and it just kind of clicked things into place for me in a little, in a sense. So I personally feel like this was something that was always in the cards for the show, and so I really liked it as sort of a, like a twist because, like I had been saying a few weeks ago when I checked in, of I was like. I'm not sure what the show can keep doing. And the show is like, no, 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 hang on. Just, just wait a second. <laughs> We've got this. Just cool your jets, Kirkpatrick. We're, we're good. And then I was just like, no, no, you do. You do got this. All right. I'm, I'm just going to sit back here now and enjoy this. So no, I'm really, really curious about what the next, what the show's going to do next with this of like a, at least maybe a community of AI that exists and how all of that works and functions. And it's a good sort of escalation slash uh, redirect for the show to take. Um, that I really, really like after doing a conspiracy angle and now they're doing this other like segment of it that isn't a shadowy 
shadowy, another shadowy organization, but instead a group of people who are trying to protect themselves, potentially, maybe, it's yet to be seen. Um, so I'm really curious to see how this continues to grow, because I'm very excited about it. Um, so how did you feel about this? Well, I feel like the thing we need to mention that yeah. uh, I, I've got to say, Noel, I do feel like you should have told me when I was behind. Enver Gyokaj is on the show now, and I am super here for it. In my defense, the last time I checked in, he was not on the show yet. That's true. That's true. I just feel like a text is warranted, is all I'm saying. Let a girl know. that That is an acceptable thing, and I apologize. I apologize for that. Uh, and listeners, um, we don't usually do the thirst tweets here on the televerse, but like, how is he just getting more gorgeous as he <laughs> ages? It's not fair. It's not fair know. to the rest of us. But yay, <laughs> I will take salt and pe- pepper and Vergyokaj any day of the week on my TV. Yes, please. And thank you. I'm just, well, it's also just nice to see him showing up and getting work on stuff because he's so good. Um, yes. So I, I, I like watching, I was like, oh, yay. And he gets to, you know, be here with this cast who are all very yes. good. Um, so yeah, no, that was, and, and then that paired with the, the twist that the journalist has this whole other thing going on, um, because it did feel so much like they were like on a lesser show, the journalist would be there to be in the love triangle with the, the ex-husband and, and our lead. Right. So like, and so then the, 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 the new like fed shows up and you're like antagonist, Love interest, what are we doing here if it was a different show? And and this show goes, oh, no, oh, no, we have much more interesting things planned. And uh, so that's that's very exciting because um, we don't know that we can trust him yet. Yes, yeah. Gyokaj is, is uh, charming, but that just that, that doesn't tell us anything on this show. Um, so that's, yeah, it's, it's super fun. I liked uh, how they continue to use Faison and how they – are playing again, playing against our expectations. The whole like fake out with him, I thought was, I was like, watch this. I'm like, this doesn't fit the character. They're doing something. And then they were, and it was delightful. They held that out just the right amount of time. I thought, you know, before they did the reveal, um, the, the characters just, they, they, this is a show that really sticks to its characters. And so when you have moments like we can cure your cancer, um, and you go, okay, well, tell me everything that I need to know. And then immediately I'm going to go home and tell my daughter because I mean, I'm Clancy Brown. Come on. What did you think I was going to do? Turn over a kid to some shadowy, strange people with cancer cures? No. Um, so, so yeah, there's been a lot of really interesting, solid developments. I like this idea of, um, you know, that they're establishing so early the, what seemed like legit fears for what Piper means for mm-hmm. for our world, you know, as much as this, you know, our or like the the status quo, I guess, and then also cracking open these new corners of of what you know they could, the writers can do next. So yeah, there's a lot going on, and I think it's mostly been just really good and still centered by these terrific performances. And like you you know have mentioned previously, this attention to detail with the worlds and the relatability and the humanity of these characters. They just they've they feel so tangible in a way that doesn't often happen. So yeah, they're doing good. 
Yeah, they really, really are. So I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad that they haven't let me down yet after I recommended it <laughs> to a bunch of people. <laughs> exactly. That's the that's the worst when, when you're like, you should totally watch this show. Uh, yeah. Um, it was better. Um, or basically, it my was better like two weeks ago. <laughs> it was so much better two weeks ago, which was my unicorn experience. See, and unicorn back on track, right? As soon as yes. I'm not telling people to watch it. <sighs> Anyways, yeah. let's move over to Stumptown. Um, what did you think about Dex Education? So I was, I was like, I'm waiting for Stumptown to sort of take a larger leap forward, and it hasn't happened yet. And I'm hoping that this episode is the transitional episode of, all right, we've got Dex sort of on the way. We've got a number of other conflicts um, that are kind of percolating around her now. Uh, because she seems to have something of a bead on being a PI already. So let's up, ramp up the tension around her friendships and with um, Ansel and figure out what we're going to do going forward with that. And so I think that, that ep- this episode successful in that regard. But um, I just, uh, I just, yeah, I just, I'm waiting for something, I'm waiting for the, like the show to maintain the tone that it had when, uh, Donald Lugo was on for those two episodes and keep that kind of energy going, which it hasn't. And instead, we just get this weird subplot where this woman gets Dex really drunk to protect her burgeoning relationship with Grey. And it's like, this is, this is all a very weird look, even though also Dex was really, really terrible to this woman as well. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a very weird dynamic that I feel like they're still sorting out what they want their, love triangle thing to look like and that is maybe not the best impulse for the show how are you feeling about that aspect though yeah no i agree um when they i thought that they handled this episode well and like the way that they like kicked it off and then how things like i thought the pacing over the course of the episode worked well um the reveal and all of that as like you know, I thought that that like when as soon as Liz, it's Liz right, starts talking yes. and and is say like spinning things in a way that just like is just slightly off center and doesn't match. You know, I thought that they handled that pacing well throughout the episode. I've liked that performer. Um, and yes, Dex was terrible to her. Um, but I think that this is not the best version of the show. And the best version of this show just has them as best friends. And occasionally there's, you know, you got your, you got your love triangle moments. You've got your what if moments like, yeah, don't get me wrong Um, with this, especially with this cast. They're so good. You know, you're, there's a lot you can do with that element of their relationship and the tension that that's going to inherently bring. Um, But it seems like it's a little early to be pushing that so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially something like this, like, I think the show wanted us to think that Liz was right and what she was saying and in her last scene with Gray, but she was not, (laughs) what she was saying was not supported by what we had seen. And like in her assertion that like, you know, he had spent all day figuring out what he was going to say to Dex because he cares more about Dex having slept with someone than his girlfriend having slept with someone. That's not what she told him. That's not the information he had. The information he had was that his best friend had gone out and 
intentionally gotten his girlfriend drunk so that with the ulterior motive of sleeping with her and blowing up both of their relationships. And I feel like his behavior, his reaction was entirely appropriate with the information that he was given. So, you know, it's very different if like, yeah, I'm really so I don't really know what happened and neither of us can remember. I don't like, you know, I, I'm very, very sorry if, you know, and I, I don't know how we ended up like this and I love to make sure there's another thing like this happens again. That's a very different situation than, I don't know what happened, but it seemed like this was a plan by your best friend, you know, to, and also let's not forget to rape me because getting someone blackout drunk with the intention of sleeping with them is rape. So like, yeah. Yeah, I I think the show didn't earn some of the the beats towards the end uh of the of this episode. Um but I if this is like a season 1 establishing thing for their dynamic, like to to establish like some of the issues Gray has dating, some of the issues in Gray and uh Dex's relationship, and then we return to the the dynamic between them that we've had the rest of the season. I think that could be really interesting and good. If this is like the start of a new template, no. <laughs> so, um, I yeah. mean, I still keep watching because it's super fun and everything. But I agree that the best version of the show has been those episodes with Donald Logue. Um, and I, I do miss that as well. It's also felt like the pacing has been off. Like these episodes really feel like they're cut down. Like I feel like we're missing scenes in almost every episode. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that the show has exhibited sort of a pacing problem um since like the gray um what call it since the gray uh like episode 5 I feel like they've sort of like had str- struggles with having a clear through line with some of the stuff. It's kind of there in Bad Alibis which is episode 5. Um but it's also there in the one where X's uh Dex's ex-girlfriend shows up, the punk rocker. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a little less there the, um with the election um the council the council election episode but it's still sort of there as well so it was just it's it just some something feels cobbled together or done done over with duct tape um that I'm just sort of trying to hope that they have they figure out basically over the break and have figured out over the break. Yeah, well, they're just kept being episodes where, or moments where they're like, oh yeah, I went and talked to them. It's like, when did you do that? They're like, if, where it feels like a scene was cut. And yeah. for time, or like, and especially in the election episode, I felt like there was, that was a scene, like, they, it really felt like it, they had like a 50 minute episode that they had to cut down to 42. Um, and they weren't sure what, you know, how to, how to trim, you know? So it, it's, it's been interesting to watch this one sort of progress and because like i feel like it was surer earlier in the season than it is now yeah no i agree i think like the turning point was trying to clean up a lot of the gray stuff like Mm -hmm. the criminal history stuff and their realization that maybe that concept worked when they had cast the other guy to play gray before they replaced him um with um jake johnson and then went, oh, this doesn't really work with Jake, um, so we need to figure out something else. Yeah, I really liked that Grey episode where he was getting, like, blackmailed. I, th- I thought that episode was terrific. I think it's probably their best episode so far. Um, 
whereas the Donald Logue ones I really enjoy, but I feel like those are more of like a arc, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, since then it hasn't been as, as sharp. And I was also so glad that they wrapped up that, you know, they, they tied that in a bow and, was, and were like, okay, we'll stop doing this, you know, this arc because it's not as interesting, basically. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that the issues that I'm seeing are ones where they, it's because they have a lot of strengths that they can play with. And they're not sure how to balance them, you know? There's a lot of different things that this cast can do, and there's a lot of different ways they could go. And it seems like they aren't sure how to manage all that quite yet. Yeah, I think that's where they are. And I'm hoping that they figure it out, because I do enjoy the show. I just need them to find slightly sure footing. Yeah, I do really like the brother, though, and Ansel, I like this idea of he, he wants to move out. I, I like, I so enjoy the supporting cast, so when Cameron um, Mannheim shows up, and when the chef shows up, you know, they, they've, they've built a little world that I, I've enjoyed. So, yeah, they're, I, I have my quibbles, but uh, but I'm still really on board for the rest of this season, I think. Um, I think we're both on board for the the rest of this season of Watchmen, meaning the next episode. This week we had a god walks into a bar, and um, this is not near the constant or the other great Lindelof romance episodes or stories. But I gotta say, by the end, they they had me. I thought this was another really strong episode. Well, what I really want to know, Kate, is how you felt about the fact that in all the bar episodes and all the bar sequences, we only heard his voice and never saw his face and just his hands. And he had to do like a lot of body acting. I just really want to know where the discourse was about not getting if you're going to cast that actor, why don't we get to see his face? Because he doesn't look Um, like that yet. Yeah, no, exactly. He still looks like Billy Crudup, probably. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, no, 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 that was just, like, something that was in my brain. No, I liked this episode as well. Um, Yes, it's not on the same sort of level, um, in part because they have to do too much, I think, narrative stuff to really, like, they have a lot of plot stuff that they have to get through, which I think gets in the way of those kind of unfiltered Lindelof sweeping romance type of things that have sort of become, like, a weird sort of trademark in addition to his just weird jokey winking in sense of humor that he's woven, especially into this series um, that we need to explain how, how Manhattan became Cal. We need to explain a lot of the uh, Vite stuff like really nicely, I think, but we still have to explain it. Um, And just, so there's a lot of like, it's a weird mix of like mixing the constant with like the Richard episode. Mm. (laughs) Or the uh, Jacob and Esau episode of like, all right, here's a bunch of answers, but also here's a great romance. Mm-hmm. And that balance, I think, generally works okay, but it's resting a lot on the fact that the two performers are really, really good in this episode in particular. And I think that that helps a lot in terms of keeping it moving, but also keeping it compelling and interesting. And I agree with you that by the end, I'm sort of all in on their relationship and it kind of helps me appreciate sort of the end of the previous episode as well. My one big quibble is that no one bothers to shoot the big cannon. Like I'm, I don't understand (laughs) why, like, you know, the big cannon does something bad. You can disappear people's heads with a thought disappear the big cannon into space. I'm not quite sure why you don't do that. 
aside from the fact that it's already happened in time loops and paradoxes and well you 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 can't do it because you didn't do it <laughs> mm-hmm. i saw someone on twitter uh compare it to it's, it's gonna be the new titanic just scooch to the left they can both fit on the door situation um where you're just yelling at your tv uh but he, you know maybe maybe if he doesn't uh if he takes the the time to send the cannon then he's not taking off someone's head who then shoots him or well i mean it doesn't matter if yeah. shoot him but it shoots shoots um angela so yeah the the moment that got me is that moment moment in the in the hall you know this is the moment and and just regina yes. king her performance i mean and also the writing for angela is just so great she's like 10 years together and this is like but if i've always known all of this like but oh <laughs> and and just that paired with the um you know the, when they're first meeting when he goes in to meet her at, at yeah. the bar and he's like yeah it really frustrates you <laughs> um it's just so great having read watchmen i thought they they put onto screen the the it is blah 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 and this is happening you know like that that way of experiencing um, time that Dr. Manhattan has, I thought that they captured that really nicely. The performer, whose name unfortunately I don't have in front of me, did a great job of making that feel really tangible and connecting, you know, in a in a meaningful way to it. It's it's in the comic, it was always very dry to me. I never really connected to Dr. Manhattan reading it, but here I thought they did a good job of like the the pacing and the timing of it, his cadence, um, the, you know, he puts enough connection and also enough distance into it that you can, you know, with the editing and stuff, it, it really helps feel, it helps the audience feel that immediacy and distance at all at once, all like all tied in together. Um, yeah. I thought that that worked really effectively. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. It's it's just really generally effectively handled. And the extent to which that the show is able to really nicely establish, like going back to this concept of the comics, um, the rapport between Vite and Manhattan in that one scene of like, that relationship feels immediately lived in. And again, this is Jeremy Irons and the actor who plays uh, Cal and then Manhattan. Uh, ya, ya. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying his first name incorrectly. Um, um, Abdul Mateen II, um, I think is just really, it feels immediately lived in. And I really, really appreciate that because it should feel exactly like that. Um, so I really, really appreciated it. That energy and that, that back and forth with them was really effective. Um, I'm not sure still what's going on with, with Vite other than. Uh, do you notice how many candles on his cake? How many candles were on his cake? It's like six. Five or six. So that okay. means when we leave him at the end of, after the episodes actually air, like like at the, the post-episode tag, he's still four years earlier than our timeline. So Okay. Yeah. I think it was six. It was. It definitely wasn't ten. It didn't. Definitely had not been all ten years of of Angela and and Manhattan's relationship. So okay, we will see what's going on with him next week. I assume. 
Yeah, well, I I, th- I think that's the question of like what answers or like what dangling threads are we sort of looking for next week? We're looking for some Vite stuff. We're looking for whatever like Lady True's big plan is, and mm-hmm. I I I think speaking for me, um, I really need to know about Lube Guy and yeah. what the deal was with Lube Guy. Lube Guy is key. Yeah. Also, yeah. Um, <laughs> Looking Glass slash Mirror Mirror Ball slash Mirror Dude um, or Mirror Guy or whatever. We need to, to see him um, hopefully be a badass and take out some yeah. cavalry. And I, I would very much appreciate another Lori and Angela interaction. We've gotten way yes. less of them than I assumed we would get when we first met her and they had that dynamite first scene. Um, or, or like that, you know, end of episode scene. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot more to come and obviously we'll get more with, you know, with what's his face. Not great, Bob, James Wolk, but I don't remember the actual, the center Keen is a Keen. It's Keen. Um, we'll get more with Keen and, and all of them, but, uh, but yeah, the, the things that like of those little dangling threads, Man is one that like, I could see them not touching it at all. Um, right, but then the, he becomes the new outrigger. <laughs> I could I could see it easily just being like a weird thing, and they never explain yeah. it. But I'm really hoping that they do. <laughs> um, so we'll see. But yeah, it's only one episode, and it's a lot to do. I have every yes. confidence in these these writers and the directors and and producers. Um, so I'm not nervous about that, but I'm really curious how they're going to balance yeah. everything. So, yeah. And it's fun to not be worried and to just be curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I'm just glad that it airs early enough in the week that I can make adjustments to my top 20 list if need be, which I haven't made yet. Me but too. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where in which, well, at least I have this time because I've got a bunch of anime that's on here that I'm not going to have a full season in which yeah. to make a decision. I'm just like, I've got most of a season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there aren't many shows where like a- another couple episodes could really shift their placement for yeah. me. But this is one that 100%. Yeah, it will. And I, I appreciate yeah. it. Over at the AV Club, they put up their best of the year. And those of us who mm-hmm. were able to contribute, we they they posted our ballots. And you could also annotate your ballot if you wanted. Um, and mm-hmm. I was glad that I was able to do that because the next to Watchmen, which I had, I think, at like number six or something, I was like, we had to submit this before the epi- before the last half of the season aired. So this might move. But yeah. it's really good. <laughs> so I appreciate being able to be like, caveat, 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 um, since that one was due. I think we had to turn that in right at the beginning of December. So, um, yeah, or like even the end of November. Um, so, so yeah, this one could really shift. I mean, I, I don't expect them to, even if they botch the ending, it'll, I'll still really appreciate the show. Um, but if they stick the ending, it could even move up i think for me so we'll see what happens yeah yeah yeah. i'm excited yeah uh over on black lightning we had the book of resistance chapter four earth crisis and i gotta be honest uh i was underwhelmed i had such higher hopes for this one i thought it was fine um yeah but i was really hoping we were gonna have like a crossover between the earths and we didn't really get that and I wasn't, I mean, it was interesting to see these different Earth versions of our Black Lightning characters, but I would have 
I would have so much rather seen just had scenes with Jennifer and Jennifer and they've shown that they can do that. Well, I mean, these producers haven't, but like on the other CW superhero shows, they've had enough episodes where people did that, that I feel like they could, you know, pick people could pick up a phone and call somebody if they weren't sure about the technical elements of that. Um, But that would have been much more interesting for me than what we actually ended up getting. Um, Yeah. So it was fine. And there were some really interesting, fun moments, but I wasn't all that invested in what ifs, which is what this episode really ended up feeling like for me. Yeah. And I can see where you're coming from. Like, I don't disagree with you that it's, it's a little ham fisted in a desire to be connected to this big crossover event that's happening and also provide a way in which to acknowledge that it's in this universe and then to also acknowledge that we need Jefferson to appear in the crossover for a couple of episodes and we have to figure out a way to get him available to shoot those episodes by not having him in this episode. Yeah. Um, And like all the logistics of that come out really, really clearly. And it reminds me really a lot of like in big, in the big crossover events in Marvel DC, there's always like the core crossover storyline. And then there's always like these little tie in issues that maybe don't impact like the larger scale of it, but show you the ripple effects basically. And um, that that episode reminded me of like a so-so version of one of those issues of, yeah, no, they have to acknowledge it because it's happening around the world and it would be weird if they didn't acknowledge it. But at the same time, it just feels like a weird diversion away from what this normally is. And so while I appreciated the idea that we're going to have Jennifer explore the two different approaches that she's think that she is concerned with taking regarding following Odell or not following Odell. Um, and then getting to experience basically both ideas of what that could lead her to. And I think that's like the best thing about this episode is her getting that experience. It still just feels weirdly not cohesive to what the show is. Um, and so it was just, it was really, it was generally sort of a frustrating episode that is more in, that they tried to make in service to Jennifer's arc, but just generally felt like it was in service to the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, um, which we can get, we're going to get to in a, just a minute in terms of dealing with it. But yeah, it just, it didn't quite work as well as I wanted. And um, yeah, I was just kind of frustrated, but then... I can't be, like, too, too mad, Kate, because we got to see Chris Williams in an ugly Christmas sweater, <laughs> and he looked really good in that ugly Christmas sweater, and he just, he played that kind of happy homemaker sort of vibe so perfectly that I just went, oh, he's gonna get shot, and then he got <laughs> shot. <laughs> and so, But it was it was that kind of a thing of, like, oh, that little bit's good. I would have liked a lot more with that like you were saying, and then we didn't. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it just, it felt more so in service of the larger, um, the larger eggs, the larger eggs that needed to be fried or the fish that needed to be fried. We fry fish, not eggs. Well, we do fry eggs. Some of us fry eggs. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not what the saying is. (laughs) (laughs) So no, that's kind of where I ended up Um, that this was good, but it just felt like too much of a detour away from what black lightning is. 
and it just it felt off. I felt like they could have done this same episode or like gotten the same effect much more efficiently, like shown more different things, you know, or, or like yeah. got, given us a better sense of the Anissas on the different worlds or the, you know, the Lins on these different, like, I felt like there was, they, they could have done the same thing with less time and then allowed themselves more, uh, given us more of a glimpse of these other versions of these characters than just Jennifer, but, or just, or shown them interacting more in like that, like when they were all together, I don't, I don't know. Um, it was a little, yeah, it was a little disappointing. I think it, the only reason it was disappointing is because I had such high expectations for it. Cause I was like, Oh man, yeah. Oh, they're going to crush this. Oh, I'm so excited. And then it was just like, fine. Um, but yeah, ugly Christmas sweater. Delightful. Very nice. I also wanted to shout out. I loved, you know, it's just every time I'm always struck by just how much I love the opening credits of the show and that shot of her just sitting on like the porch or whatever, like stretched out a little bit. I thought it was just such a great comic book kind of shot. And yeah. uh, so to see it, like the, the, the version that's in the opening credit, like still, and then later in the episode, I was just like, you know, there's so much the show does so nicely and so well that, none of these other superhero shows are doing and hopefully with crisis some people will go hey that black lightning guy seems interesting let's go check out his show yeah and then find out that it's not like any of the other shows at all but it's very good and they should watch <laughs> yes. it oh man yeah uh, speaking of, let's talk about Crisis. And uh, we had Supergirl, Batwoman, and Flash. Crisis on Infinite Earths 1, 2, and 3. Um, what did you think? Well, I think, like, since we're going to, like, talk about this a little bit after Crisis wraps up and, like, a whole thing. Um, what are the, the, the big thing I kind of want to, like, focus on is my, my feeling is that each of these episodes is sort of reflective of where their individual, that team's show is. So Supergirl had the first episode, Batwoman had the second, and then Flash had the third. And the Supergirl episode is just miserable. It's just bad. Um, and they had like the worst task though, of needing to do all this exposition that they haven't established really within their corner of the show. Um, and then shoehorn in a bunch of people um, in crowd evacuation scenes. and But they also very much felt like they couldn't really push anything forward for these characters in a way. That was also really frustrating. Because while they can do stuff with Lena, it was like, but we're not friends anymore because we have to maintain the status quo of me being the villain. And it's just like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. But then we get the Batwoman episode, which is, I think, probably the strongest of the three so far. And in part because of how generally well-balanced it is, but it also ends up being a good Batwoman episode in terms of where Kate is in her, in her, in her life right now, in terms of trying to find Alice and has moved past thinking that Alice can be saved, that Beth, that Beth is still there somewhere. And then being faced with this, Frank Miller-esque version of Bruce played really nicely by Kevin Conroy doing uh, the Batman Beyond old Bruce Wayne voice for the most part. Um, that, that sort of an, that sort of an approach there, I think works really, really well and speaks to where Batwoman is as a show right now on a kind of creative upswing, but also like as writers and everything, they're just like, but we can have fun too. Look, look at the fun things we can do if we have Superman's. 
Um, and then the Flash episode is just very kind of flashy in terms of, and I mean capital F flashy, not flashy, um, in terms of, all right, we figured out a way around the thing that we've been teasing all, all, all for the entire run of our show. We figured it out, everyone. And that just feels very Flash, but also it has, it's, suffers from also having to be the transitionary episode into the back half of, all right, so here's here's what we're going to do with Stephen Amell and Oliver in case Stephen Amell ever has time and wants to come back. And also here's what we're doing with, oh, what was the other thing that they, oh, here's Black Lightning into our universe now and just doesn't, it does it it's just, it's too short played. So that's kind of where I'm feeling about it is that I'm having a good deal of fun with this, I think. But I think that each of these episodes generally reflects both these individual shows, but also the overall problems with doing these crossovers in which it's really difficult to balance a lot of this stuff. And sometimes that works better than it. it sometimes it works better than not. And Batwoman, I think it works really, really well. But Supergirl, it doesn't work well. And then Flash, it works sort of okay. But then you have to toss Jefferson Pierce in here to keep shooting lightning at a big generator for reasons that are very unclear to everyone, including him. And he just does it because he has to. Okay. How are you feeling about it? I like this way more than you do. I like this so much more than you do. <laughs> well, here's the thing is like, I'm actively enjoying it. I just, I see like a lot of seams in it and that's kind of frustrating for me. But again, I think the Batwoman episode is the best one. Um, but the Supergirl episode is just garbage. I mean, why are they fighting CGI demons for off-brand Dementors? Why are they doing that? It doesn't, I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't have any trouble with any of it. Okay. I liked the Supergirl episode. I didn't think it was bad at all. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think the reason being is that I'm not thinking of it at all as a Supergirl episode. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm not, so I'm not thinking about it as a Batwoman and as a Flash and as a Supergirl episode. I'm just thinking of it as, like, these are their own thing. It's like a m- separate miniseries or something yeah. called Crisis on Infinite Earths. And in that context, it works way better. I, though I do agree that Batwoman is, like, if I had to tier them as how successful are they for, like, as an episode of their show, I agree that Batwoman is the most effective and then Flash and then Supergirl's the least effective. But I think that, like, what I guess what, what I'm seeing as I watch it is just how much better they've gotten at these crossover things. Yeah. These crossover events. And um, I think that they're doing a much, they're taking a much more um, active, they're, they're giving a much more active role to Supergirl and to Batwoman here. They're clearly, like trying to pass the torch. I felt like a lot of the previous crossovers was basically just Ollie and a little bit of Barry running the show. And then we'll give a few scenes to Kara. And um, this is very much more centered. I thought between the different casts and and main characters, I really appreciate everything that we've been getting with Kara and Kate. I think their dynamic works really well. And I like the time that the, this crossover is is giving to that dynamic um that i thought that you know ha- killing off ollie in the first episode was a shock and really effective and well done um i liked the um the the weight that they gave it that immediately immediately they're like okay we're gonna undo it guys like but don't like 
come on, we know better. It's like, yeah, but we're still going to do it because we're us and we don't have time for this right now. And it doesn't matter because that is what these people would do. <laughs> At least some of them. Um, so I, I like, and it's just why Diggle can't be there. Cause he would have put the kibosh on this, you know? Um, it, but like Mia, yeah, that's exactly what Mia would do. Um, and so I, for me, the, like the character beats have really been working. The pairings that they have done have worked. I've appreciated how much of a, a back seat, especially after the first episode, they gave to well, certainly Ollie because he's dead. Even though he his his storyline gets a lot of time, but th- that's really much more about these other characters. You know, um, I like the Sarah and Mia dynamic. I like, um, I, I like that Barry has been more in the background. So like basically, the characters who've had all whose shows have been all season prepping for this haven't gotten as much screen time because they kind of know the deal a bit more yeah so we're not spending time on that we're spending time with everybody else and um and so yeah it's just it's really been very effective for me is it like episode are these episodes of television that are going to stand up separately not necessarily but i don't care (laughs) why they're punching ghosts and why like i was like oliver will be the last one standing with the ghost it's like you have a ranged weapon with a limited number of arrows that doesn't make any sense at all like like that you you should be the the first person out because as soon as you run out of arrows you're done right like let's have somebody who has like I'll have Supergirl be the last one through because she can do her laser eyes right she's she's got a ranged weapon that doesn't run out um but it doesn't matter because it's you know this is that kind of show and that and you know it's always interesting when I'm willing to just give it to them and when I'm not yeah and for Christ, for this i'm just absolutely willing to go with them on things that maybe normally i wouldn't yeah and i think that's perfectly fair like i just it was one of those things of yeah this this just doesn't work and then i'm immediately like oh but we're going to have this terrific tom welling interaction um mm-hmm. and we're going to do all these great jokes about how tyler hochen is much smaller than both tom welling and Brandon Routh, and then we're going to shoot him from a high angle over their shoulders to really emphasize how much smaller he is than them. And it's just like, okay, show, I see you. And I really appreciate all (laughs) these jokes that we're doing here because they're delightful. I also appreciate how super into Clark Lois is, regardless of which Clark it is. Yes, and Iris too, for that matter, because Iris is like, yeah, oh, oh, maybe... Maybe no, no, no. Iris would not. Iris do- is not into any other flashes. Yes, but uh, <laughs> but but Lois is into every Clark, and yeah. it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um. So no, I I think that's part of the reason why like part two works as well as it does is because it balances needing to look for a couple of MacGuffins, them being the characters, um, and then. Doing like lots of like fan servicey type jokes um, and humor, and I think that that just really balances everything out. Um, even if also like I'm still just like kind of blown away by the fact that they took the time in the Flash episode to do basically like a eulogy for the uh, John Wesley ship Flash real quick. Oh, I loved it so much. And it was so good. Like, I was just like, this is a show that's kind of impossible to find, except on DVD and probably streaming somewhere on, um, maybe uh, it's definitely available somewhere. Um, but that generally has been just unavailable because it ran two seasons. 
Um, but the way that the flat, the current Flash has kind of honored that show in a multitude of ways. And then to do it right here by killing off that Barry Allen is just really, really lovely. And it was just really sweet. And it was a really good moment. And I really, really liked it. But then I also really liked Tom Ellis showing up after being like, no, no, I'm not on it. Don't. I was just showing up to see a friend of mine. And it was just like, Tom, you're not fooling anyone. We know you're going to show up. There's no other reason for you to be in Vancouver. (laughs) I didn't know that. I didn't know any of that stuff. Mm. So that was a true surprise for me. I was like, oh, and of course I immediately thought of Latoya, right? Yes. <laughs> Latoya Ferguson. I was like, oh my God, she must be dying right now. This is great. <laughs> but yeah, that scene, like, see, moments like when they're like, yeah, we're crossing things over. We're crossing everything over, guys. Like, have, being like, okay, we're also going to work in a Constantine and Lucifer crossover into our Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, because why not? And everyone's going to flirt with everyone, and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and I think that's kind of like the the really nice thing about these, is that they allow for those kinds of moments. Um, I was reading IO9's crosstalk about it, and they made a really good point that if, th- if they had been really bold, they would have like incorporated the Teen Titans go and <laughs> Teen Titans you. <laughs> in some way or at least showing them get like wiped out of the universe yeah did you see the um watchman shout out i did see the watchman shout out yeah and i i thought that was i thought that was pretty cool because that was on lucifer's earth on like 666 right yeah that was on 666 and they certainly could have done something like that for teen titans go yeah um and and that's the other thing is maybe they did and i just haven't noticed it yet like there, other than Watchmen, there has not been a show this year where I have immediately had to run to well when it was functioning, my laptop or try to do it on my phone to be like, okay, I'm sure some website has a list of all the Easter eggs and I need to read it now because <laughs> I know there was a lot in there that I did not catch and did not notice and did not appreciate and I'm enjoying all of them so I really need to to go get a rundown. Um, and we actually haven't mentioned. Probably well. There's a couple of my favorite things we haven't mentioned. Yeah. Um, I really liked the Black Lightning and well, the Jefferson basically and Barry scene. I thought mm-hmm. that was really nice, and I, I really appreciated them taking the time for that throughout the first episode of the crossover. Like by the end, I was like, "Huh? Are they actually?" Good? I mean, like I could see them rebooting Supergirl. Yeah, it's interesting, but I could see them doing it. And then by the third episode, it's like, oh, no, they're not killing all the main characters on Black Lightning. Clearly, they're going to undo everything. Yeah. Never mind. But the fact that they let us sit with that, like, yeah, maybe Earth-38 is just gone for a few episodes, especially because of the comics crisis where all the worlds get, like, kind of merged into one. Mm-hmm. You could see them wanting to do that on CW. Yeah. And so, like, I like that they let you sit with that thought for a couple episodes before going, like, oh, no, I mean – we're not killing three of the main characters on one of our TV shows. So no. <laughs> um, so there's that, but my actually Loki and actually hi key. <laughs> one of my favorite things about this has been the music. I'm loving the scoring and all the shout outs to these other themes. Like one of the big production elements of superhero TV and movies that I, that they usually get, right in a or when they don't i guess i don't notice it but when they get it right i do notice it is evocative and memorable and iconic theme music and so to the way that they have stitched together all of these really indelible musical moments within 
their this crossover has just i mean i just i love it i'm going gaga that opening to the first episode with all the the batman and sorry the superman themes and batman themes i was just like yes yes into my veins <laughs> no and it's good because like they got a semi-obscure cameo to do the um tim burton uh batman earth um getting mm-hmm. the reporter from the those movies for that because it was just like well we can't get any no one else said yes <laughs> <laughs> basically they were too expensive michael keaton is too <laughs> expensive and the guy who played alfred is dead um <laughs> um so i think that 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 was that, that using the using the um musical cue to indicate that i thought was really smart and then having like burt ward show up to do the batman's 1966 on earth 66 um also worked really really well holy crimson skies of death kate um because <laughs> what else is he going to say like i don't know what else he's going to say he has to say that plus his little sweater vest with robin colors on it was just like pitch perfect on mm-hmm. a costuming level so yeah no the way that they've called up the musical cues to sort of invite you in i thought has worked really really well um so on that level i've really enjoyed that um Let's see. Oh, the other thing that I feel like we need to mention is the fact that they're still allowing the legends to be fourth wall breakers. And so Sarah's whole, I promised my crew they never have to do another crossover. So we have to go get another wave rider that has Leonard as the um, AI is just Uh, so good. He's such a snarky bitch and it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so. i'm very here for that uh as well as of course and they're like okay well making a baby so yes clearly. no uh, absolutely and just also the baby's going to keep crying and interrupting the ominous exposition and it's just like yes yes no again this is why the batwoman episode's the strongest of the three episodes so far is because <laughs> it just blends a lot of really good tones across the entirety of the like these universes well and it's also just such a way especially for the lesser lesser seen show lesser watched shows to be like this is fun right this is what we do every week on legends yes. you should be watching us <laughs> and like that that barry and jefferson scene i thought was very much like yeah this is the kind of stuff we talk about every week on black lightning so if you're digging this scene you should go watch Black Lightning. I, I think that they, they, it's quite a, like, um, promotional tool, uh, promotional tool for their other shows, um, which is, you know, yeah, I, it, for me, it's, it's really working. Um, final question for me, at least. Any thoughts on Ali as Spectre? I mean, I think it's a, it's, it happens like way too quickly and with very little explanation. Like, if you don't know who Jim Corrigan is, you're just like, what is this? What is happening right now? Um, so I'm sure they'll, like, they'll roll that out. And I really kind of like that concept, though, of having Oliver become the host for the Spectre, um, because Oliver's whole arc across many, many seasons now has been, I have to become someone else. I have to become something else. And he's literally about to become something else. And something that is deeply dedicated to justice in a very weird sort of way that then is sort of like the perfect way for him to kind of carry on. Um, Since like the Spectre does really terrible things in a very weird way in the name of justice, which is why they need a human host that has a strong sense of justice and has a strong moral compass to sort of keep the Spectre in check. So I'm... 
I think it's sort of the perfect way to wrap up the concept of this version of Oliver Queen really, really nicely. So I actually really like that. I just wish it had had been given a lot more room to breathe prior to wiping out the entire multiverse. Yeah. Well, and imagine that's what we're going to get in the um, in the Arrow episode that of the, you know, of the five when that comes back in January. But um, that also really could explain like take me to my husband now like now it's time like this idea that that's when ollie is going to pass on the mantle to someone else and so then he'll be oliver again and so then felicity can be with him finally um so that that would make a lot of sense so we'll I mean, we'll see what, how they wrap things up um oh you know what the other last thing i said it was the last thing i lied i do think they're using lila really well and i think having her be the like basically be the anti-monitor at the end of this third episode is just so much more effective than anything else they could have done there. So shout out to the the writers for thinking of that. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good use of Lila, and it's also a good use of that actor who I have to imagine mm-hmm. has been very tired of playing like Lila because Lila is just a deeply boring, straight laced character. So this chance to be a little maniacal, I'm sure she's just relishing. She's like, I have range, guys. Look. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, any other thoughts on Crisis so far or any other shows that you want to mention? Or if not, what wins your week in TV? Um, I'm going to give it to Batwoman Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 2. A God Walked Into Abar is very, very good. But I just that episode of Batwoman just kind of wormed its way into many different parts of my DC media fan hole that I just I can't not acknowledge how good that episode was on a multitude of levels. So that that's what wins my week in TV is uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 2 from Batwoman. Uh, what about you? What won your week this week? Yeah, I'm going to give it to Watchmen, but a very strong shout out to just all of the Crisis stuff. It's just been so fun. It's been really, really fun. So yeah, it's been a lot. Yeah, I look forward to the way that's going to conclude. And the fact that you have to wait a month, a month. Ugh, not looking forward to that. Yeah. But fortunately, it's, it's some nonsense. There is plenty of other interesting TV to keep us busy in the meanwhile. Um, so that will round up our week in TV. Now we'll take a break and listen to a trailer and then come back with our season spotlight on Making It Season 2. We'll be right back after this. Oh, I'm going to miss this place. You know, it seems like only yesterday we were living in this tiny house on a farm and hosted a crafting competition. And we had the makers move in with us one at a time so no one had to go home. Yeah, well, they outgrew this place. It is a tiny house. Look at our empty nest. Nick. Yeah? Should we have another one? Crafting competition? Yes. I was hoping you'd ask. Welcome to another year of making it! I'm Nick Offerman, actor, husband, host, and woodworker. And I may be polar, two of those things. Creativity lives inside all of us, and people all over the world have rediscovered the joy of making things by hand. It's not just a hobby. It's a worldwide phenomenon. We can lemonade stand. What's the vibe? Is it going to be cheeky, infantile, or very shishi? Um, I have no idea what any of those words mean. (laughs) (laughs) So we decided to create a competition for artists and makers. We brought them all together in this barn and specifically designed challenges to test their creativity and craftsmanship. Let's make it! Take an ordinary mailbox and make it into something extraordinary. It's a good old-fashioned shit hack. 
Each week, the winners will earn a coveted award honoring their victory. It's a patch. is a job well done. I'm proud of that. Yeah, we got that. I'm going to hug you. Good job, girl. Making things can make your whole life better. This is an heirloom piece. This is a piece that your son is going to want to have. Or maybe holding his own kid. He holding his own kid. <laughs> so pull up a chair. And grab your yarn by the ball. Welcome to Making It. That was a trailer for season two of Making It, uh, which, of course, is the delightful uh, crafting and making show hosted by Amy and executive produced by Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. Um, and we like season one. And I was shocked when it got renewed for season two because I didn't think anybody else watched it. Um, and maybe they didn't because now it's back for season two, but it's all being burned off in like two weeks at 10 o'clock. A week. At- basically yeah. yeah 10 o'clock at night uh except for the final um but i'm very glad that it's back and i've just found it to be utterly delightful and i'm super here for it so i i'm looking forward to talking about it because i don't know anybody else watching it Noel. so what did you think of season two of making it i really enjoyed this season overall i think that there's a there's sort of for me personally there's sort of a missing component in this season of where last season we had um uh uh kim who had this kind of very philosophical sort of approach to his making and uh an ideological kind of perspective to what he was doing um and espoused that and really talked about it and i really really liked that um as as someone who thinks about art like constantly seeing someone talk about it on TV about how they make what they make and why I thought was really, really interesting. So that's missing from this season. But at the same time, the season does a really good, I think a much better job of sort of exploring the emotional side of making and what this gives each of these contestants um, in their own lives and what this means to them outside of just a sort of like, this is kind of how I make my living. And for a lot of them it is, but for a lot of them it is also, this is sort of how I'm able to function. And this is how I am able to relate to other people. It's how I also matured and figured out who I was. Um, And I really, really liked how this season in particular, again, explored those bonds uh, between the contestants. So like between Egan and Floyd, but then uh, between Lily and Rebecca and just how that kind of all got wound up. So by the end, when we get to our four finalists and then our three finalists, it just, it feels really tightly knit. And so I just, I really, really enjoyed the season. It made me almost cry in a number of instances, especially in the last two episodes. And I was just like, yeah, it's really good. Oh, I really like the show. I'm very upset with certain things in terms of who won what sometimes, particularly in the shed thing, because I didn't, as much as I really like Justine, I also went, I don't get it why you won, except for the fact that you made a lot more stuff. Yeah, um, we're going to talk about that. 
Um, but also the show, I don't know why, had just launched into a very Justine's going to win narrative by that point. Um, and I'm fine with that because, again, Justine was probably my favorite, like, maker personality, but it's also because she just refused to tolerate Amy and Nick in really delightful ways um, that I just, I found really just really wonderful. But that's that's kind of how I felt about this, that this was a very good season. I really liked a lot of the challenges that they had to do, and I liked the diversity of makers, even if by the end that diversity had wh- felt like it had kind of whittled down a little bit. But it was still a really, really good season. I really enjoyed it. And I really hope it comes back for a third season because after Great British Baking Show just going whole hog and reality shenanigans, it was nice for to watch making it make fun of the fact that we keep trying to stir up drama, stir up drama in air quotes, and they just don't do it. And <laughs> then it's just like, oh, no, because everyone's just super supportive of each other and they just want everyone to do well, except for maybe Jessie, who sort of realized that she was losing and... Really, tried really hard to keep it together, but sometimes the, the they had to cut away because you could tell she was trying to keep it together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, how did you feel about it? Okay. So I'm going to just get this out of the way. I don't know why Justine won. Yeah. Because I didn't think her shed was the best. I wasn't no. all that impressed with her doors. It was actually the one that I thought was the least interesting because it took a small space and cut it in half. So it was just like, here's a desk and a couch. And that was it. And yes, it's very, don't get me wrong, very well made. And it looked beautiful and everything. I'm not saying it was bad or anything, but like each of the other ones had a more interesting perspective <laughs> and were more useful. <laughs> so um, I kind of disagree with you on that because I really didn't like Rebecca's because Rebecca's was just like, the exact same thing she's done a couple of times now and i just oh went, yeah i agree but no it's just 80s new mexico you you you've already done this like twice yeah um so please go but no i don't think justine deserved to win the shed because as much as i like justine shed i just went but that floor in jesse's yeah was the floor ridiculous was like <laughs> that that needed to win just for the floor and then you add yeah. the periscopes and it was like it also felt like a bit of a statement on what is a good way to use your shed and to just yes. have a space to retreat to um, for for meditation and thought and, and, you know, just to be around a beautiful thing and to calm yourself and center yourself was not as worthy as having a multi-use work play space, you know, like, and it's like, um, that's not what this is supposed to be about. This is supposed to be about who like transformed their shed the most and in, into the most interesting and specific, you know, manner. And yeah, if any show should be comfortable with a space just being for the relaxation, it should be this one, not having to like build a desk in so that you can also work all the time, you know, <laughs> like, Oh man, that, that it bothered me because, um, with the with the shed, I was just like I was like, well, obviously Jesse's winning the shed. That floor is just stunning. I mean, if you're talking about like I knew Rebecca was getting eliminated because of the uh, um, the lack of a focal point. They're pushing that so hard. Clearly, this is the narrative. But um, but that floor, I mean, you can't argue with that. You can't argue with that floor. Even though I would have done more with those like those blue 
like painting thingies or whatever that were just like mm-hmm. here are different shades of blue. Those calming squares. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, I mean, I feel like you could have done more there, but it doesn't really for me, it doesn't really matter when you have that. So that was really frustrating to me. And also the the structure of the season, why are you ending with that challenge? The shed was a much more interesting challenge than the final challenge where they yes. had to like design a party and make like a much smaller space than you made in the previous episode and like with less time. Like why are you giving them less time for the final than you gave them for the semifinal? That doesn't make sense. So it was it was very strange to see, the, you know, and I get them wanting to end with a party atmosphere like I, that makes sense. But they should have done they should have given them like an extra day or something so that they could really go all out for the final because it, it was like for this one hundred thousand dollars, you know? Yeah, no, 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 I no, I agree that the finale is like very anticlimactic. Um, anticlimactic, uh, considering the shed, because it's it's a much more interesting. And then it's like make a photo booth and a centerpiece, and it's like, but no, like it just it it feels it feels really weird. And then do an invitation to it as well, and it was just like. Yeah, the invitation thing's a cool concept, but also this just feels really bizarre as, like, a finale apart from the desire to have, like, a party. And I think your point of, okay, well, if we're going to do a party, then we need to do a bigger thing than a photo booth, a photo booth type of thing, and then just a kind of centerpiece. Um, So, I, yeah, no, I'm totally with you on the finale just being very lackluster as a challenge. Yeah. Well, and it was like, really, Justine's winning for this? But then I look at the other two, I'm like, yeah, but I can't say that Lily should win. And I I mean, I can't say that anybody else should win because I was like, okay, that's fine about all three of them. And when you only have a few hours, I mean, what do you expect? So if you're going to do the the finale, they also didn't really give any sense of, is the grand prize based on just this final challenge or the entire season's worth of work? And I would have liked, I would have liked more deliberation time with the judges. I would have liked more of a sense of what they were doing with that, or whether it was more of just like a, like, I, what fits our narrative or if it was who has the best party? Because, I mean, of those, the one that I liked the best was Justine's. But, mm-hmm. like, I, I would have, you know, if the whole point is master maker, not master party thrower. And they right. didn't actually have to make that much to to win the, the final prize. And, like, when you're winning a patch, that's great. But when you're winning $100,000, which is what the final challenge is then I feel like, again, just, just switch the shed hack, you know, just like switch those two. Um, I don't know. Or or just give them an extra day and see, you You know, I'm sure that this these groups of people are so interesting and talented and they have a lot of very creative thoughts that they could have come up with plenty more if they had more time. Yeah, no, I absolutely, no, I totally agree. And it, yeah, it, it's just, it was weird. And I do think that like, both of all three of like the party options were like fine in their own particular way. And they each, I think did a really good job of catering to 
a specific sort of audience of who this party was for. Like, I think just based on the short snippets that we got of each group that the party was for, it's just like, oh, no, this is all super appropriate for New York hipsters. This is all very appropriate for a a guy who refuses to retire. And this is all very appropriate for a Mm -hmm. five-year-old. But it's also like, yeah, but did you see the sheds that they made? (laughs) And I think that like the concept of not getting a lot of deliberations with the judges brings into stark contrast the, the kind of the, um, the, the issue baked into making it, which is, yeah, there's a hundred thousand dollars on the line, but we never talk about it. Um, purposefully, we don't talk about it because this is supposed to be f- good and for itself. But also, here's a hundred thousand um, dollars. So it's one of those things of like we don't want to make a big deal of it. They literally say that. So the finale being make a photo booth and a like a table set feels very much like a we're not making a big deal of it but then it calls into question like what you alluded to of all right well wait is she winning a hundred thousand dollars for this or is she winning a hundred thousand dollars for the entire season uh but it's hard to tell because the show doesn't want us to focus on that as a concept um, even though they make a big wooden check. So it's kind of hard not to focus on it as a concept. Well, and I think that the idea of let's, we don't want to focus on the money and let's see what people make when they, when we are actively discouraging them from thinking about the money, when they are just focused on create the like creation and on their, their own inspiration and ideas, what do they make? And then at the end of it, we're going to consider all of it and say, like, not who's going to make the best thing when under the pressures of, like, we have three kids and we really need a new car or, you know, like, I need to pay off student debts. Like, not so, like, so actively working to remove those pressures just to, to and to celebrate creativity without that strain and stress and then rewarding that, I think, is terrific. But that's not what they're really doing i think you could do both of those things i think you could have like show the deliberation with the judges and and then and have them talk about like okay so we made a point to not talk about the money this whole time and when they aren't thinking about how do i earn lots of money but how when they're thinking about how do i you know best channel this inspiration or like this brief to to show my own personality and the way i view the world what do people make and and what who do we think we want to give this giant wooden check to so that they can go do more of this also without that strain you know because like you try not to make a big deal about the money but that is a big deal amount of money that is a life-changing amount of money for some people um and so to say, like, we're selling, like, so even just this notion that art shouldn't have to be created with solely with that strain underneath it, right? So, like, who do we want to go give this money to so that they can continue to create more in this vein and less under just like, well, we need, like, I have to take whatever job people will hire me for. And, you know, like, if we take away the strain of, like, at least a chip away at people's monetary burdens, what will they make? And then how can we, who are we going to try to facilitate to be able to continue doing that? I think that would be a very interesting conversation to have that the show doesn't want to have. That maybe they'd have to spend more time on. 
but certainly as a musician, <laughs> the notion of like who's going to pay for the art is is something that is very personal and very distinct to me and in my life. Everybody loves the fact that there's art and culture out there, but people generally generally don't want to have to pay what it costs to create that and to to support you know like the 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 insane amount of money it costs to be able to get to a point where you can create something that you know have enough experience have enough um training have enough background that you're able to create something that people connect with and that they want to then go go see this movie or buy this book or whatever you know it takes a long way to get there and people don't want to invest in like the, the, the crappy first tries you know as somebody's like dipping their toe into the water um but yeah that would be a fascinating way to approach it and instead they just kind of go like don't think about it and um yeah if there is a season three i would love to see them engage with that more yeah, and I, I doubt that they will because no, it sort won't. of flies in. <laughs> they won't <laughs> flies in the face of the ethos that they want to do of like this group of people who once they're eliminated they just go live with Amy and Nick in a barn um, and form a band, which was delightful. Like, oh man, Jamie playing a theremin is just the best. It's just it's kind of perfect. Um, so. Uh, were there any challenges or um, concepts that stood out to you, or were there were there was there a maker that you wish had sort of like made it further into the competition? I mostly thought people were eliminated at the right time. I, I was pretty down with the order um, of elimination. Um, I would have liked to see more robot stuff. Yes, yeah, me too. But in general, I thought that I was I was pretty much okay with the eliminations when they were happening. Um, and I just, I so enjoyed the season because I, I came out the gate with all the things I didn't like. Um, but I did yeah. really enjoy the season. I had so much fun watching it. And I liked the challenges this season. I thought they did a better job of getting creative with it. I really, of course, enjoyed the caking it um, challenge uh, and seeing how different they, like the ways in which they transformed their um, their cakes just with like, no, no, no. We're not saying, can you bake a cake? Because maybe you don't have the time to bake a cake, or maybe you are terrible in the kitchen. But if you go to the store and buy a cake, what can you do to make it special so that, like, it's personalized? I thought that was a really an appropriate way to do a baking-ish challenge on this show. Yeah. Yeah. I would have liked more puns. I would have liked more pun-offs. But yeah. I feel like they had run out of them. <laughs> there were only so many puns you can make about a wood shop. Um, but, but no, the, I liked the, the bedroom. I think just I I liked most of them. I thought that most of them were were interesting and and fun and, and connected in in evocative and interesting ways to the the uh makers like backgrounds and experiences. They there was a clear effort this season to like you were saying earlier to connect to more uh like psychological elements of making and 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 I, I thought that paid off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? Um, I really liked the wreath challenge. I thought that that was just really delightful, and I appreciated folks who were just like, yeah, we're going to do all season type stuff. Um, so I really liked the wreath challenge, and by extension, I really liked the mailbox as well, because I was just like, yeah, I love a good novelty mailbox. Mm -hmm. These are good novelty mailboxes. Um, I also did like the bedroom uh, challenge as well. I thought that was just a really kind of fun way to showcase like an i a good like think through concept and like an interior design concept and thinking for someone else or by extension for yourself 
Um, so I thought that that just worked really well. Um, I think my favorite, though, was probably... All right, yeah, no, everyone does have a blank wall. What the fuck do you do with a blank wall? Mm-hmm. So that that I thought was just like a really good sort of, oh, that's what you can do with it. I'm not going to do any of that, but that seems really cool if I knew how to do any of that. Um, and had the patience to learn how to do any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely would have liked more Jamie and more robots. Um, but yeah, I was also generally pretty cool with the way in which people went home it made sense um by and large um when floyd went home i was just like yeah buddy you're just you're also doing the same thing over and over again and it's cool Mm -hmm. but yeah that scale thing didn't work at all yeah it just didn't work and those words were way Um, too big for that small cubicle yeah yeah no but that was his thing is like i do the big stuff yeah and it's just like you're a very sweet man those words were too big for that cubicle. <laughs> and I did I did feel really bad for Egan, who was just like, yeah, I've I've never been in an office before. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with any of this. And I just went, I know, buddy. I know. But your mailbox was very cool. It looked like you made it out of paper and you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a fun season. And again, like you said, a good mix of people. Interesting, like different, like skill sets and, and everything. So... I don't know how ratings work nowadays, um, but I hope it comes back for season three. I'll certainly watch it if it does. I thought there was a good, because uh, I heard some people um, saying they thought there was too much uh, with the host and not enough with the makers, but I enjoyed the, the comedy bit asides. Um, and I, I also appreciated <laughs> when, um, like, the, the Justine drawing thing where they're like, can you draw? Like, I will draw. Yeah. I am not a good <laughs> drawer. No, I appreciate how that drawing challenge immediately fed into the, oh, wait, y- you you need us. And now you want uninterrupted eye contact from us. <gasps> yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Stare into my soul. Yeah. Um, that was delightful. Um, but then also there, there was an aside from Amy about, um, about like, I get home and Alexa says do you want to watch the news and i say no no take it away <laughs> so i thought the timing of this with you know everything that's going on politically i think was delightful and yeah sometimes it's she's like yeah you don't even have to do it you can just watch other people do it and it's really satisfying <laughs> like yep ding 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 there's your audience <laughs> yeah pretty much no that's exactly the audience <laughs> yeah like I said, I may have I may have had my quibbles, but I I did uh, really enjoy making it season two. So hopefully, listeners, if you're if you didn't check it out, if this is of interest to you, if you're still listening, I assume it's at least a little of interest to you. Go check it out and see what you think, because I I would like I would like the TV landscape to be one where this kind of a show can come back for a third season. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post of this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. And of course, we're up in Apple Podcasts with time for a chaptered feed and MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also up in Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And then, of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thanks so much for a great week, Kate. Thank you, Noel. Thank you, Technology Gods, for so far working with us. <laughs> um, and uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.